Welcome to another episode of Double Jump Radio, the official podcast of DoubleJump.co. I'm your host, Abia, and I'm joined once again by John. John, how are you doing today, buddy? Hi, I'm doing all right. I've been playing a lot of Yakuza 0 for the last five days. Um, how, what do you think about that? What do you think? Um, I was going to... I'm not sure how deep to get into it, because I, I, um, I played it like a year ago, and I bounced off it yeah. because of certain expectations. Uh, which okay. I think I might write about. I'm not sure if I'll Fair talk enough. too long this time. Anyway, <laughs> the point is that this time I revisited it with like kind of a different yeah. mindset, like a different approach. Now I'm really mm. loving it. <laughs> so, and I can't kind of keep... St- what happened the first time around? I think like, I think as a game, I kind of wanted more of a character action thing. Like, and yeah. the kind of character action thing I wanted was something closer to Bayo, uh, like Bayonetta. Like Bayonetta? Yeah, like, yeah. and those games are very like smooth. Like, you're kind of, like, slipping around and you're kind of, like, chaining together moves very smoothly. Where I played yeah. um, Streets of Rage 4, like, a couple weeks ago, mm. um, right before the DLC hit, um, for the first time as well. And I don't, I don't... I didn't love it as much as I thought. I, I hoped I would, because it's such a, like, hardcore retro brawler. Um, yeah. Anyway. Which is its, which is its own style. Very yeah, different definitely. Style. Yeah. And, like, a big part of that is positioning. Like, that's what kind of those games are about. Or at least that's my takeaway from playing 4, was that yeah. it's not really about, like, combos and stuff. It's about making sure you're in the right position and you're moving around properly with the right efficiency. Um, anyway, that finally brings me to the realization that Yakuza plays, like, a retro brawler rather than a character action game, which kind of got uh, me. I was okay. like, oh, okay, that makes more much more sense. So I wasn't, like, kind of came in with different expectation. And now I'm just like um, really digging the story and all the mini games <laughs> and all the everything around it, yeah. like as much as I hoped I would the first time. So yeah, yeah I'm I think pretty into it. That makes sense because I'm pretty sure the Yakuza games precede uh, games like the original Devil May Cry. Like I'm pretty sure like the the first Yakuza game was like a PS2 game, like 2001, 2002. Yeah, and it makes sense because like a Sega of that time was pretty like it it was only like it was less than a decade than like you know the 90s beat em up kind of craze so it makes I, I would not be surprised if kind of the the foundations of the Yakuza system that were uh, established you know with the original games were developed by people who worked on you know Sega fighting games not fighting games sorry beat em up games during the 90s mm. yeah that would make sense so, yeah, because um, oh, cool. like, cause they made um, because I've heard like there's a lot of shit, yeah, a lot of similarities to Shenmue, and that's that's Sega <laughs> as well, I think. Oh yes. Um, but it's like yes. it's kind of like yeah, it's like and they Shenmue took, itself, yeah. Yeah, it's like they took Shenmue, which never sold incredibly well, as I understand it, and then the guys like, okay, how do we do this, but like make it more a good appealing. I I don't know. I I bet I'd like Shenmue. <laughs> I just haven't played it yet, but like um, I like I like life oh. sim stuff. Yeah, it feels like you know they took kind of that basis like like how do we do like a mainstream version of this which is Japanese crime drama plus goofy mini games and stories and all that. Yeah, yeah. I I, I wonder if I wonder if um the original uh, Yakuza game might have been like planned as like a a spin off of like 
of Shenmue. I would not be surprised. Sega at that time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, no, fair enough. That's great. That's that's a that's a good weekend. That's a good weekend spend uh, playing some Yakuza Zero. Uh, how about we talk about some of the content that was on the site last week? Uh, the main release we had was uh, Callum's Black Skylands early access review. Um, for folks who may not be aware, uh, Black Skylands is a it's a it's a top down shooter. Like it's got okay pixel art top down shooter with some kind of uh, like economic uh, mechanics so primarily you you fly around in an airship you have battles uh, with enemies up in the sky and then there are also uh, battles uh, that you have uh, on like these float giant floating islands it's it's sort of like a pseudo open world game the the main way that you can afford to upgrade your weapons and and, and keep restocking is to grow cabbages <laughs> <laughs> selling them on the on the market and then using that money to buy uh you know weapons you know the the classic the classic formula right <laughs> that's how europe was founded <laughs> yeah very much um it kind of reminded yeah. me like visually of jamestown a little bit yes you remember that yes. one yeah 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 um that's... i know it's not like a yeah it's definitely a different genre but it has a very mm. similar like sort of like rustic uh called rustic steampunk look lots of wood and yeah. train tracks and, and such and like it's like uh it's not like 16 bit it's like imagine like a 32 bit or 60 f- imagine 2D art was like 32 bit um like it was it was an upgrade over what you'd see on the like the Saturn or something like you know towards the end of 2D art it's like it's really like really great effects and great animations but it's still in like a pixel style art so it's got like a, a really cool look that i think kind of saves the games more than once and and the in terms of the verdict like uh callum found that it was early on wasn't the wasn't the most kind of consistent game but um he found it entertaining enough to make it a, an engaging engaging playthrough and uh it's got plenty of promise so we'll see how the uh, final version uh turns out when that's finally released awesome well that was what was on double jump last week uh, as always head over to doublejump.co to read all of our awesome articles from the past week as well as tune in to last week's uh double jump radio episode or catch up on the multitude of streams we have going every week it's always a always a fun time uh here in the double jump community let's talk about the news this week and uh we're going to be talking about uh ongoing <sighs> You know, ongoing saga at Activision Blizzard and Ubisoft with regard to employees. Uh, the Aussie government launching a campaign uh, to, you know, attract foreign game studios to our local shores. Uh, the PS5 and the Xbox Series X slash S are doing gangbusters despite supply shortages, um, as well as uh, kind of the big announcements from Annapurna's uh, interactive showcase that was uh, uh, from the end of last week. So, yeah, let's kick things off with the... Uh, Activision Blizzard and the ongoing workplace saga. So, quick recap: last week, the California uh, Department of uh, basically their version of like fair trade and housing uh, filed a lawsuit against Activision Blizzard, uh, citing uh, that it was a toxic workplace uh, for people to work in. And the what happened uh, was, you know, Activision laid out a kind of pretty pretty generic statement saying oh you know we're disappointed in this report 
Uh, we feel like we've we would have cooperated more if we had known prior to this um, filing. Um, so that's that's kind of where we left things towards the end of last week. And since then, uh, a, a couple of key things have happened. So uh, uh, basically towards the last weekend, uh, thousands of employees at Activision Blizzard uh, penned an open letter in response to the lawsuit and also announced that they were planning a walkout during the week uh, for the coming week. Uh, in response to this, Bobby Kotick, who's the CEO of Activision Blizzard overall, he actually uh, r- uh, released his own letter to employees. Um, in that letter, he talked about... Uh, this one's going to be uh, interesting. Uh, so, he, in some ways, he did own up to uh, where Activision Blizzard let its team down. Um, basically, he he acknowledged that the response uh, to a lot of the allegations that were leveled at the company were, quote-unquote, uh, tone deaf. Um, and he also talked about uh, acknowledging uh, the perspectives and experiences of all the people who have come forward or who may have been, quote-unquote, mistreated in any way. Uh, then he did he did something which I kind of undermines his overall message of being pro-employees, which is uh, he announced that the company has brought on a law firm called Wilma Hale, which um, is most recently known for uh, being brought on by Amazon to uh, fight to stop employees uh, forming a union in some of some of the states in the U.S. Um, and it's it's brought the company on to quote unquote review uh, the policies and procedures there at Activision Blizzard. Uh, an- uh, another thing that uh, Bobby Kotick also laid out was that uh, these kind of five, like, th- like a handful of uh, kind of actions that Activision Blizzard's taking straight away. So uh, effective immediately, which is what he said, um, Activision Blizzard is going to continue to look into every allegation and quote unquote take decisive action whenever uh, there are uh, like examples of mistreatment or abuse. Uh, number two, uh, it's going to create, quote-unquote, safe spaces uh, for employees to voice any concerns that they have. Uh, number three, the company is going to fire any leaders who have been found to have protected harassers or, uh, you know, stop the course of investigations from uh, going through properly. Uh, and number four, uh, he's going to be, quote-unquote, requiring all hiring managers to consider candidates fairly. Pretty pretty standard stuff. And lastly, he's gonna the company is going to start removing uh, any questionable content from its games. So one example was Blizzard pulling some of the controversial artwork and character designs of some of female characters in World of Warcraft. Um, so the employees who kind of penned that open letter and threatened the walkout, they were partly satisfied by what. Uh, Bobby Kotick released in his letter, but they still held their walkout. And, uh, you know, in one positive note, Blizzard came out and said, you know, we're still going to pay you even if you walk out on the job. And, yeah, these were some demands that the walkout, uh, like kind of the, the organizers had for the company to prevent any further walkouts from happening. So number one was the end to mandatory arbitration. Arbitration. In all, con- in all employee contracts going forward and currently ongoing um, because these 
kind of type of arbitration usually tend to protect any of the abuses of the people accused. And number two, um, there's going to be a, they are asking for the adoption of recruiting, interviewing, hiring and promotion policies to improve representation among the group, uh, especially of marginalized groups like, uh, you know, people from the LGBTI kind of spectrum, women, uh, people of color, things like that. And number three is the publication of data on relative compensation, you know, to better transparency regarding, uh, you know, promotions, salaries between different groups and ethnicities. The allegation is that this isn't currently, uh, people aren't currently being uh, f- paid fairly across the board. And number four, they uh, the employees are asking for a company-wide diversity, equity, inclusion task force and to hire a third-party company to kind of do an audit on like kind of internal uh, structures to see if there are, uh, you know, to see if the systems that they have right now, how they've failed to protect the people who have been at the been victims throughout all of this. So there's a lot to digest here. But John, what are your overall? Let, let's start with the the whole idea of the walkout, and you know the idea of union unionization for game developers at Activision Blizzard at least. What do you think about that whole like idea? I. Well, like any workplace, I don't think it's a bad idea. I think, I think last I heard, there was like not much, not much interest. There was very much like Activision, kind of trying to, what's the word? Essentially, get ahead, get it out in front yeah. of any sort of unionization efforts or anything yeah. of the sort. Nip it in the bud. Yeah, yeah, and it's like um, getting Wilma Hale, the anti-union one. It's like. I don't know, Activision, for like the longest time, I don't think anyone would think different either, is that like they're, they're a publisher that has been, I'm not sure if it was founded on it, probably not, but for the longest time now, especially since Call of Duty became it's the biggest thing in the world, um, they've been yeah. like this incredible, like a brutally efficient publisher. Yeah. It's And that's kind of how they've acted ever since. Like they've... if. If it's not like, you know, taking the world by storm, it's probably a disappointment. And mm. I've kind of respected that kind of operation to an extent. Like, it doesn't try to, like, as a company, it's never tried to make any, like, kind of, um, what's the word, like, pandering statements to say they're for this, yeah. like, for art or anything. Like, no, they do make Call of Duty and they make the ev- occasional other game. But otherwise, yeah. they're, they're just there to make money and they operate like it. And it's like... Mm. It's like it's like whatever. Like I don't buy their games generally. Yeah. And like it's and people. Anyway, the point is that them bringing in union busters makes total sense. <laughs> uh, yeah, for it's from a company like, like that. Yeah, so ruthlessly profit inclined. Yeah. Because um, it, it's kind of disappointing that like well it it continues to be horrible. This all yeah. this news, but like it kind of reminds <sighs> yeah. me how like. Um, EA is kind of another one who's known and but like largely like definitely reviled to an extent by a lot of people. Yeah. I think in twenty twelve was like voted the worst company to work for in the US, which I'm pretty sure wasn't I'm yeah, sure there I are more companies yeah, <laughs> that are more deserving of that. I don't know, because from yeah. what I understand they're actually like a pretty good workplace. I I, yeah. I need to look that up again. I won't stand by yeah. that statement if it's wrong. But um, <laughs> But like, uh, and but the part of the reason they, I, I believe them to be a good workplace is that they operate more like a standard tech corporation, 
um, yeah. with those sort of and not like just a game dev dude bro hangout like Activision seemingly yeah. is and that was kind of surprising to me because I thought Activision would be closer to that as well where it's like they're just kind yeah. of all about making money keeping things like streamlined and I was like I guess not I, I guess I yeah just well if if we kind of uh, take a few things back I think it was around 2011 like a few years into Bobby Kotick being kind of the leader at Activision Blizzard he came out and said that he doesn't want he wants to take the fun out of making video games essentially like he wants to turn <laughs> Activision into like a video game hits factory and i think he's kind of done that <laughs> like yeah i mean yeah, that's true when you've like we we've got call of duty black ops 1 2 3 and 4 modern warfare being rebooted and probably a sequel to the reboot of the <laughs> like the original modern warfare like it's it, it, you can see kind of the the way that Activision's kind of uh, taken on that factory like idea, like Bobby Kotick brought out. Like you're right, Activision kind of flew under the radar with a lot of this controversy because it was just focused on games and didn't really make any wild statements or anything like that. Whereas EA copped a lot of hate because it was one of the first companies to have you know always online gameplay and servers crashing on launch and and things like that. So. I think it's it's you're right. It's not it, it's not uns, it's not surprising that a company like Activision Blizzard would bring on a, like a, a a notorious law firm like Wilma Hale to kind of uh, quote unquote investigate. You know what's going on there, and maybe potentially appease employees in the short term to avoid them unionizing for at least another year or so. It's uh, you know it's not the best look, and it's interesting that he kind of pens this letter like a week after everything's been going on maybe investors were starting to get worried and he thought he had to step in to say hey hey we've got this under control don't worry so much yeah i especially i i'm i'm sure it's partly because it was in the last few months or so the shareholders like a number mm. of the shareholders took issue with his his uh salary so, yeah like, like or his bonus like or something huge bonus yeah like it's like not it's like pretty substantially higher than a lot of other publishers ceos which are yeah. already very high typically um yeah yeah, yeah so it's kind That's of i'm guessing he's kind of you know trying to protect himself to i mean he would be protecting himself really yeah. but that's that's another element there and the thing is like i i i hope that going forward a lot more developers and studios think about unionizing like I think it was always started off as a way to protect themselves from crunch and really tough working conditions, but now we've got the other side of things, which is, you know, having a workplace culture that discriminates or makes you feel like shit if you're a woman or a person of a different gen, uh, de- uh, like gender, sexual orientation, or color, or race. Like it's this, it's so complicated, and unions aren't just about making sure your salary's higher. It it there's a lot more protections that can come of it, but obviously unions in australia versus unions in america i'm sure they're very different it'll be interesting to see exactly how this comes about and who actually starts it yeah, yeah it's I, uh, like, interesting yeah. yeah like as i understand it that like unions in with games like like a good comparison to make in my mind at least is like hollywood they have yeah. like extremely powerful unions that are not getting any weaker and they've had that and a lot as I understand it, a big part of that is because those unions were able to form so long ago 
so like a century mm. ago or so so i'm like I don't, i'm not sure yeah Anyway, but they're very old okay. unions. They're very old organizations where gaming is very new for media and the industry kind of, like the the companies involved were able to get ahead of that <laughs> and really cut off yeah. unionization efforts at the knees like very quickly, um, especially yeah. when anyone, and especially since developers tended to be very small for a long time compared to now. Yep. There was like just mm. no like, so I know I'd, I'd, I'd be very happy to see if any unionization um, efforts took root and like really yeah. snowballed a bit. I'm not really expecting mm. it to. Um, it yeah, but it's just for the sake of the workers' safety and just the ability to actually take action against people who are making yeah. their lives like and careers. No one should. No one should have to go to a workplace where they don't feel safe. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's just like this is controversial, maybe, but. I'd, I'd, like the 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 things that Bobby Kotick says, like, oh, we're gonna hire based on uh, the quality of work and not discriminate. Yeah, that's probably a good thing. Probably should be doing that anyway. Yeah. Oh, we're not gonna protect people who abuse things or stop investigations from taking place. Yeah, you should have probably done that already. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? It's like because um, like, yeah, there was a story. I think it was last week, but I think it came up in another article recently of um the. World of Warcraft creative director who was fired, um, but yeah. he was fired last year. I th- I'm yeah. pretty sure, or at least that's that seems to be yes. the understanding. He's been and they made no statement. Yeah. Um, like it's just people being able to piece together the information available online, but wasn't like yeah. you know compared to um, um, whoever the person was in charge of Overwatch. Uh, I forget his name, but like they made an uh, announcement. Jeff for Kaplan. Him. That's right. Yeah. Um, they made an announce like they made a statement for him, and they essentially like you know kind of you know did a full on farewell for him as a company. Yeah. And then with him, he was there for like almost two decades as a huge part of World of Warcraft, and then he was let yeah. go. And now we learn that it was because he was this like a just uh, like yeah like insane sexual predator. Right, like okay, so here's the thing. Uh, you're right, John. Like you're you're referencing. A gentleman by the name of Alex Afrasiabi, who used to be on the World of Warcraft uh, development team, and and the kind of report that Kotaku did into it uh, was kind of talking about that named suite of people called the Cosby Suite, which is their so-called name because there's a uh, like at one of the events there was uh, like a room, basically in his room there was a whole bunch of devs, all the all males. <laughs> holding up a picture of Bill Cosby and then taking a photo together. Uh, and apparently, like, that whole suite of people have been, you know, trouble. One of the people actually came out and said, oh, when when we, when I took that photo, I didn't know about Bill Cosby and how bad he was. It's like, that's not a defense. Like, that's dumb. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's not really an argument. Cause I, think that, I think the photos yeah. were taken before the Cosby... Yeah, like, but, it's, yeah, but you it's call like, that because <laughs> your behavior after. Yeah, it's like it's like <laughs> kind of like more of a coincidence <laughs> than yeah. like what we're actually angry about. Uh yeah, <laughs> and that's the um, ah, that's just annoying and and like seeing videos from like I think BlizzCon twenty eleven or twenty ten when like this female um fan comes up and asks a question to a panel of all white males, saying, "Hey, what about um some of the character designs?" Why do they? Why do female characters have to look like they came out of Victoria's Secret catalog? And the developers are just are replying back, "Well, which catalog should they come out of?" <laughs> it's like, oh, and then the whole crowd like laughing and 
Uh, and and then and them saying like, oh, we're taking your feedback. We'll we're taking it. You know, we're we're hearing what you're saying. We'll we're taking it on board. Thank you. And then it's just like, oh, like that wasn't yeah. that long ago. You know. Yeah. It's I mean? like considering That's, like Activision's yeah. like, it's like as a company they've like yeah like I was saying it's like they're kind of like ruthlessly focused on profit and such. That's fine. It's just but it's like when this kind of thing comes out, it's like. They have no history of trying to be better <laughs> or like, no, and I'm yeah. not sure. Uh, maybe that history would make it worse even, but at least like, mm. at least they seem to like some other companies at least seem to try to present themselves as like, trying. you know, a good workplace <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. And now it's like, this is like, I, I bet that's right. I was thinking this a second ago and it kind of um, uh, skipped my mind a bit. Um, was that another reason that Kodak would be, or like that the company in general would be trying to get ahead of a lot of this stuff is the same reason Ubisoft is with um mm. was that like in their annual report they actually mentioned that because of these from a year ago the outcry against um all these yeah predators and uh, and harassers inside the company has actually affected yeah. their hiring efforts and retaining efforts too so they're losing people on top of not being able to fill in so, spaces yeah so let's talk about that. Uh, you also, uh, in in the previous digest, you also covered kind of what happened uh, in Ubisoft. A couple of main things happened there. Do you want to maybe uh, talk a little bit about what happened at Ubisoft? Yeah, sure. Another thing that happened this week, um, oh, it's very connected actually, um, which we'll get mm. to. Almost 1,000 current and former Ubisoft employees have signed an open letter in support of Activision Blizzard staff following the lawsuit by... Um, California's Department of Fair Employment and Housing. So they kind of, the letter blasts Ubisoft management, um, stating <laughs> that, and stating that, quote, we have seen nothing more than a year of kind words, empty promises, and an inability or unwillingness to remove known offenders. And then it yeah. connects from there to Activision Blizzard. So it's kind of riding on this momentum. Mm. and proposes that Activision Blizzard, Ubisoft, and other industry-leading publishers collaborate, uh, should collaborate and agree to a set of rules and processes for handling reports of these offences, um, which yeah. must heavily involve employees in non-management positions and union, union representatives. Uh, that last line is kind of... <laughs> union representative is kind of a call to action in a way, probably. Yeah. But yeah. we'll see. Yeah, and... <sighs> yeah. So, in response... Um, Vez Gilmot described the CEO um, described action taken over the last year in response to this, but made no mention of any new actions or changes for the future. Um, yeah, that's disappointing. Yeah, so yeah, kind of dancing around the <sighs> issue still, which is yeah, I don't know. Like the more that comes out, like because it happened all the news last year about Ubisoft, mm. like amongst mm-hmm, all the harassment, mm-hmm. there definitely was the sense that. It's like this family-oriented business that's kind of gotten by without any like, yep. real strategy. Like they've kind of fumbled their way towards success, and yeah. like so when they're faced with a real um, crisis, yeah, exactly, a crisis with the company that needs to be resolved for the <laughs> yeah. sake of the people in it and for the sake of the company itself. So even on a yeah, on it like yeah, like divorced from morality. It's like it needs to happen, and they're still kind of just incompetent. So, uh, exactly right. Like that's the whole thing. Like, I, I, I will say this like time and time again. Like, I didn't know this was happening. 
oh, I'm so sorry, it was, I wasn't aware of this, I trusted people below me to tell me, he's like, fuck off, you're the leader, it's on you. The, yeah. a, a company's culture starts from the top and if you didn't see what was going on or didn't, or, or didn't want to look into things, that's on you, you failed it. Like, that's the thing, in any other company, I bet Eve Gimo would have had to step down or, you know, do some be a lot more public about things but because it's like run by him and his family <laughs> and yeah. even like um closely affiliated companies like like is it glue or whatever it is um it's like it's it's basically ubisoft his brother like his his brother or something running it so it's like you're right it's it's just this company's just been kind of making it through and now that there's a huge crisis of and it's not like a financial crisis in the same way like what happened with like oh you know the like oh we just the coronavirus took away our clients blah 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 this is like this has been boiling for years under the surface and it's it's only it came to a head last year but you've had a year to kind of try and implement things and make changes that actually make a difference and the fact that a thousand people have have come forward and said nah you haven't done enough you failed like you're not doing enough yeah you, you are not doing enough like these are like long-term issues that need to be confronted yeah. and they're they're barely trying seemingly yeah like Eve Gimo should step down mm. but it's like, like I'm sorry it's too late yeah you can't do it. yeah but considering the people he hires and being like yeah either being his family or sexual harassers or both like uh, I kind of get it's like I wouldn't trust the person yeah. in charge after him to really do much either. And the thing is, like, people... Things don't stay under the surface for long. People will hear things about everyone. Like, you know what I mean? Like... Yeah. Cause it's like, not like, oh, when you hire them, oh, we didn't know he was like that. It's like, oh, you know, we knew he was like that, but he he made a lot of money, so people didn't really think about it. You know what I mean? It's not like it's... Like, you're completely blindsided. Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's frustrating yeah. still. Like, I don't have any love for Ubisoft. Um, they're like, but it's yeah. just. I mean, obviously, I don't need to, but um, exactly, yeah, it's just like it's like, it's really, it's kind of frustrating seeing like stupidity on such a high level. It's just like all these like yeah. old white guys like just like, <laughs> you know, continuing to effortlessly, <laughs> like sweep yeah. through the world. Like, oh, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm sorry. Oh. Like, fuck off. Get the fuck out of here, you clown. <laughs> you useless. Get the fuck out of here, dickhead. <laughs> yeah. That's all that needs to be said, uh, really. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's the Aussie way to say it. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of things that are Aussie and gaming related, how about we, we talk about something a bit more positive, which is the, the bloody federal government finally kicking, getting its ass off the chair and trying to actually... Fulfilling the promise that Australian game development talent has been doing, has been providing for years, and actually launching a campaign aimed at luring foreign game studios to set up shop in store on our shores and to work and also to license and work with uh, developers that are here, uh, you know, across all of our cities. So basically, what's happened is uh, the government's kind of launched. Uh, like a campaign, a marketing campaign, including like a video showcasing a lot of the games that are worked on here. Like, like for example, World of uh, Tanks, 
Wargaming Sydney actually does a lot of work on developing that. Uh, you know, we all know House House with Untitled Goose Game. Uh, you know, Hollow Knight, Hollow Knight was also developed here. There's actually, you know, the AFL games, Australian Open games, even like um, Fire Monkeys doing a lot of work in the Real Racing series. Like, we've got a serious amount of talent here. Even Sledgehammer's done, worked with Aussie developers to kind of, like, get work on games like World, Call of Duty World War Two and things like that so there's clearly a lot of talent here and it's about bloody time that the aussie government's getting behind it and the first step was a few months ago uh announcing the 30 percent tax offset and now launching this marketing campaign john uh what did you what did you want to what what are your two cents on this yeah no i just wanted to like kind of add yeah. to um that list of developers like so if you go to the website globalaustralia.gov.au um i'm sure you're able to get to the actual page from there somewhere yeah yeah it kind of lists off all the devs we have here and i don't think i was like fully yeah uh, like i don't think i knew how many we had like i kind of figured we still had like we're like we are still small relatively mm, you're right to other places in the world but like i didn't realize we had so many and like that they were so active too like i was i was all surprised like i thought like um uh what was that one dev half brick like, i think uh oh shit, i can't remember like half brick studios <laughs> but it's like you know like Ninja. a decade ago uh, like also yeah. we had like our biggest studios closed oh yeah, 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 yeah. i yeah. think they were like um they made that platform chrome studios that ps2 one i think a chrome i think yeah that sounds that, familiar there might be someone else. i think i might be saying yes chrome studios else. regardless sure. point is like i think so i'm not sure anyway but like a decade ago or so yeah. they were like uh, they seem okay yes They're, like they were closing down like these, like our larger ones. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, the LA Bioshock Noir. dev as well. Yep. Like our like actual like you know higher end studios with like a lot of people employed. Like they were shutting down. Oh, they did. Yeah, them too. Though that was like pure incompetence. But like still, you know, it sucks. Mm. <laughs> um, and it's got, it was kind of surprising to like see this site like having the whole listed off, and kind of like oh okay like it's coming back like oh that's yeah. great. Like it was, yeah, it's uplifting. Nah, definitely. Like Chrome Studios, you're right. It is one of those um, studios that kind of worked on like side trilogies. It also had like kind kind of some like original games like Tie the Tasmanian Tiger, if uh, people remember those from like ages ago. And also, yeah, yeah. Tie is what I was thinking. Yeah, of, and yeah. and the remakes that came out or the re-releases that came out like last year. So there's definitely a lot of talent here. And I mean, La Noir was made by you know studio bondi before that was like i think became like 2k 2k australia which worked on um you know bioshock i think some of the ports of bioshock as well as um borderlands the pre-sequel that was also an australia joint so we have the talent but it's a shame that unlike governments in the uk canada europe um who have offered tax incentives to get development studios to come over and set up shop in their own countries our government just has dropped the ball and and that's been going on for years since like i think pretty much since the gillard government dropped funding for like screen australia and yeah it's 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 been a shame right. um but uh, a couple of the the perks that the the video like the campaign launch kind of talks about is you know number one 30 percent tax offset which is always good uh number two uh you can you can have developers working while your US and UK or Europe teams are asleep. And you can also, you know, have customer service. You can have social media and everything going on at different times of the day. The ability to 
work with your own IP because uh, I think the majority of Australian game studios work on franchises and games that they own that aren't owned by like a third party. And also, uh, there's just so much talent here. I think that's the the other key thing that the video highlights. And, and I tend to agree with that. It's it's amazing how much talent we have that we we ourselves don't value. And if we don't value it, you know, we can't expect someone else to. Yeah, definitely. It's um, yeah, it's it's nice to see it. Yeah, like you said, like it's nice to see it. Actually, the wheels starting to turn again. Because um, I I think you keep track of this much more than I do. Like I, this is something I definitely don't um, see or um, hear much about personally. Um, is about like Australian development and that yeah. scene, how it's developing. Yeah, I I hope something comes mm, of it. Exactly. Um, I don't really trust the Morrison government to like do much. Not <laughs> do much. <laughs> um, frankly. Properly, but, uh, yeah. But we'll, we'll see. Because I think they announced this 30% offset. Like, uh, oh, no, it was in yeah, May. Okay. It, it was, it was only they, recent. But I, I don't think they've detailed it yeah, yet. Yeah, it was um, yeah. still waiting. And it's kind of, of uh, still in talks with the Interactive Games and Entertainment Association, uh, which is like kind of our kind of trade body for games here in Australia. Kind of our version of the ESA, right. but with a lot less power. It's kind of like kind of talks with them and a lot of like stakeholders like, bigger studios in Australia to kind of understand like shape the actual funding like the the bill or whatever like the, the actual plan of attack for the Australian government to attract foreign game investment and the thing is as we'll see in the next couple of stories people are willing to spend money and they're spending big <laughs> yeah which um, brings us to our next point the PS5 has beaten the PS4 to 10 million sales it's the fastest selling so it did PlayStation of any generation yeah like what yeah. <laughs> what the hell yeah. yeah that's with like major stock shortages. exactly which I was kind of surprised it's like I, I know it's selling well I, I just kind of figured they didn't have 10 million <laughs> yeah so, and it's like so okay so like what yeah what's the first thing yeah tell us yeah there isn't too much to say about this I don't think basically the PS5 sold 10 million th- sold through 10 million units in 249 days which was just announced and this is compar- in comparison to the PS4 that hit this milestone in 271 days. So, yeah, 20, 22 days difference. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, like, not insignificant either, mm. really, when I think about it. Um, and it's just kind of... Yeah, people are very... I don't know. I'm not sure if that says more about the PS... Like, PlayStation's brand power or COVID. <laughs> uh, Probably both. Uh, I'm sure... It, yeah, I know it's both. It's just, like, oh, I wonder which would have... Yeah. yeah. I don't know. PS4 was, like, a huge yeah. hits so i'm sure ps5 would have done similar numbers that's the thing least, it's 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 just i i guess for the longest time i always feel like oh nothing's going to touch the ps2 and but clearly the ps4 smashed that and now the ps5 is beaten that and the fact that you can't even walk into a shop and buy one yet it's still outsold the ps4 that says something yeah exactly <laughs> it's just yeah i just that like it's just that like the stock shortages has been like the big story for so yeah. long. It's just it's kind of just a weird <laughs> thing to I don't know. It's not that strange. Yeah. Uh, it's just <laughs> just an odd thing yeah. to see. I think by comparison. Mm. Oh, on the another new another PlayStation news. Sony has released a new PS5 beta update that allows owners to expand local storage via the bil- via the built-in M2 expansion slot. But um, this isn't so easy compared to the Xbox and maybe PS4 really. Um, because the hard drives need to meet a couple of mm. 
big requirements. So first, a read speed of 5,500 megabytes a second. I think, is I think it's megabytes in this case, yeah. I should have looked up. Okay. Yeah, which means PCIe Gen 4 SSDs yeah. only, which is the high-end yeah. stuff. And also, it needs to have a heat sink to make sure yeah. it can run safely. Um, so that's so it could be built in or attached. Um, I think there's a couple of companies that are starting to announce they're like kind of PS5 ready, yeah. um, PS5 ready SSDs with heat sinks attached. And that like I think there's a GIF of one of the companies kind of like showing it, it kind of slotting mm-hmm. into the PS5. Yeah like over and over again and it's just like okay so sh- like i was kind of surprised at how yeah. easy it potentially could yeah. be it's just got to be crazy oh, expensive because yeah. i think it's like i think for a terabyte in australia it's probably going to be like at least four hundred dollars yeah d- uh well um, like for so i just got a samsung so i built a new pc recently um it's got a samsung 980 pro which is the top of the range samsung ssd like one of their fastest drives you can buy right now. And that cost me, I think, $560 for a two terabyte. If you get a three terabyte, you can get it down <laughs> to like 300 or so. But that is the type of pricing you're looking at. And, and and the thing is, like, I got mine at a quote-unquote good price or whatever at this time because of how crazy, um sh- like, the stock shortages are. So, listen, y- you've spent $750 on your PlayStation 5 expect to spend at least another 350 or so to expand another add in another terabyte of hard drive space and i i understand why because from a technical reasoning like the playstation seems to be doing something similar to what the xbox is doing in that it's kind of using the storage as like extra memory and pulling data pretty much in real time that's why like an example is uh you know ratchet and clank uh, a crack in time You've got kind of the dimensional rifts. The reason why you can go from dimension to dimension like instantly is because of that read speed of the drive. So that's why Sony's um, requiring such high-end specs uh, for its um, uh, for its drive. Like these are specs that if you go look at all the YouTube uh, kind of tech creators, when people say, "Hey, what type of hard, what type of storage should I get on my computer?" They say, "Don't bother getting the top fastest stuff." It's not ready yet. <laughs> Whereas Sony's like, oh, that top part of the market, yeah, that's the minimum. <laughs> and yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. Uh, like, cause, uh, like, yeah, because I was kind of laughing about it yesterday. How, like, um, like this is, this kind of technology is one they've kind of been open about. Mm. Like, they expect you to buy into, like, buy extra hard, like, um, storage, like, yeah. later, you know, when things get cheaper and more available and so mm. on and so forth. Um, it's like kind of a leading technology that they, you yeah. know, it's, um, but it's like the idea that you kind of spend what, like half the price of the console just so you can Put more buy, games comfortably yeah. buy more games is <laughs> such, such an insane idea yeah. to me. <laughs> Especially, um, but, yeah, yeah like that, if you compare it, like with the Xbox, like the Xbox did have expandable storage. So it's kind of two different approaches. So even since the PS3, Sony's let you swap out hard drives and things like that. Whereas Xbox has said, oh, you want more storage? Buy an Xbox branded hard drive from one of these companies. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I thought with like um, the Xbox One, they had like, you could just use whatever. Uh, but I think. it has to I be. I think it was similar to But PS4. it's a USB. But internally, you couldn't just swap it out. Whereas oh, with the okay. PS3, PS4, and now the PS5, you could swap out internal components whereas the xbox like even on the xbox 360 it was like you had to buy an xbox hard drive that clips on and off the actual original 360 and 
Yeah, yeah. Like, like we've got to remember, like the original Xbox 360 launch with like a there was like a two gig version and then a and then a twenty gig version. Like there was pretty much nothing. Like whereas a PS4 launched with I think a minimum twenty gig hard drive. So we have come a long way. And with the most recent Xboxes, like the Series X and S, which um we'll touch on in a sec, is they've like partnered with companies like Seagate to release like Xbox game drives, which are proprietary like they like kind of they look like usbs that just slot into the side of the xbox it's probably just like a, a pci ssd inside a, a plastic case going in there but at least it's easy on the xbox side you know what you need you just buy that and you just plug it in whereas on the playstation way of doing things like if you're really into your tech you're probably not going to worry about it um but they're like you know the average person probably doesn't want to buy oh this is samsung okay yeah i'll buy that <laughs> and plug it in so the ps5 yeah. branded stuff is probably a, i i don't mind it in this place you will pay extra for it but at least you know it's going to work well speaking of uh the xbox and supply constraints and sales the uh, xbox series x slash s family of consoles uh combined are the fastest selling xbox generation uh, for this time period so as of june 30 which is when they're like the the last quarter ended microsoft had sh- uh, sold through 6.5 million combined units of both the series x and series s which i guess is kind of cheating <laughs> but you know what <laughs> i think microsoft will take anything yeah. it can get <laughs> right now and this is uh, compared to 5.7 million for the xbox one in the same time period so november to june like think of what's that like nine months like eight months or so um so within eight months the xbox series got to 6.5 million versus the xbox one which was at 5.7 million and the xbox 360 which is 5 million i was actually surprised that the xbox one outsold the 360 given how much like crap was thrown at microsoft around the xbox one launch but we have to remember that the xbox 360 had a lot of problems with red rings and most consoles dying you probably don't want that to to be the main uh narrative around the launch of your new system so and also things have changed you know the gaming audience has grown since back then so it 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 makes sense that these consoles are getting more and more popular Um, but yes in, in other news um related to that microsoft also revealed some other financial news surrounding like the xbox division so uh there was an increase of 11% in gaming revenue, a hundred, sorry, yes, 172% in hardware revenue, which is huge, just shows you how many people are actually buying systems, uh, Xbox Ones and Xbox Series combined, um, but there was a, a negative 4% in revenue, so uh, uh, of growth in terms of uh, content revenue, and Microsoft attributes this to third-party games not selling as well, and less people spending time on games in 2020. I think streaming and and like working from home and everything changed a lot of habits, uh, like, you know, media consumption habits over 2020. So, hey, Xbox Game Pass must be doing well because people are buy- like playing more Xbox exclusive stuff than third-party games. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. something. Like, I think well, like something that stood out to me was like, I was, I was a little surprised because like both... Um, Xbox Series X. I think Series S are like relatively available. Yeah. I think those are. Yeah, I don't think those are too hard to get hold yeah. of. But um, Series X and PlayStation Fives are selling yeah. off as many as they can make. I was like, kind of surprised that the number was so close to Xbox One. Yes. Yeah. 
and I was thinking how like I wonder if it, like uh, I wonder if it's got more to do with like how much stock they had because I think PlayStation Five was in development like in production a bit sooner because they had this kind of like you know they had this goal like pretty far back of exactly what they wanted to yeah. make and what price point and yeah. such. Um, I feel like if it has more to do with them focusing more on PC for the last while mm. and kind of like and like Xbox series like I think both consoles like it definitely not they definitely didn't make it seem like a like must have machine yeah. compared to P- PlayStation yeah. 5 like visually or hardware wise like the games were it's essentially a P- PlayStation like, 5 Halo yeah, Infinite that too, that wasn't there at launch <laughs> so the one big game that Microsoft had wasn't there so it's or, and not even a Forza. Like, you know, the the key games that you look for to sell a new console, to sell a new Xbox, there was no Halo, no no Forza at launch. That's uh, pretty, like, you know, pretty pretty steep. Yeah, like even that um, Silent Hill-like, well, it wasn't like Silent Hill, but like that horror game, The Medium, yeah. I think that was like meant to be a launch game. That also got delayed for a few months or so. Yeah, I think that... that so, oh, yeah. Wait, oh, I think it was a month. I think it was in December yeah, or something. Yeah, I, I think I people didn't really play that in earnest until like january or something i think it was around yeah that but it was like you know like that was like another like one of the smaller launch games and it still got yeah. delayed which like i mean it's kind of shocking playstation 5 had any launch yeah. games honestly considering i mean the, way COVID it, the only went, game but, that um, playstation 5 really had were two games one was the pack-in which was astro's robot robot adventure oh astro uh, it was the new astro game <laughs> yeah <laughs> astro bots yeah. uh astro bots rescue or whatever that was that was like a pack-in game that people really liked. And number two was Miles Morales, uh, which kind of, it was a showcase, a technical showcase, a standalone kind of follow-up to the original amazing Spider uh, Marvel's Spider-Man on the PS4. But at least you had something there. Oh, that was um, Demon's Souls as well. Oh, Demon's Souls, yeah, yeah. I think it was something else. I don't think it was just those, but yeah. it might have been just that. I'm not sure. I think those are the two main games at launch anyway. But obviously, you know, you had your games from Ubisoft and stuff. But in terms of stuff that was actually exclusive, it was pretty much those two. I mean, and and at those two games, to be fair, very good showcases for what their system can do. Yeah, there was... You just wish you had more, but <laughs> two games is better than zero. <laughs> On the Xbox side of things, yeah. Um, but yeah, do you want to talk about some, uh, you know, exciting games that we're about to see uh, from the folks at, at Annapurna Interactive and uh, maybe a Melbourne studio as well? Yeah. Um, so, game the smaller game publisher Annapurna Interactive. I'm not sure if it's you're pronouncing Annapurna differently than I. <laughs> I'm not uh, sure. Because I'm pronouncing it oh. like because Anna because Annapurna is the name of like a region in the Himalayas and in, in Nepal. Uh, which apparently oh, okay. correct, like Annapurna Interactive is like a spin-off of like Annapurna like films or pictures like this indie label in America so it uh, apparently like the founder had this revelation when she climbed that mountain or something I don't know but I, I looked into it and that that's why I'm pronouncing <laughs> it a little bit differently <laughs> so don't mind me <laughs> okay <laughs> I'm just using that strong Australian accent that I always forget I have um Okay, yeah. So first off was The Artful Escape, a psychedelic adventure title, um, sort of a side-scroller by Melbourne studio Beethoven and Dinosaur. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, Set to release later this year on September 9 and on Steam and Xbox. Mm -hmm. I I haven't heard of it already. I I was surprised I hadn't heard of a few of these games, actually, because they'd already been Mm. announced. 
um or no, but a couple of them hadn't been most of them had but um yeah i was a little i don't know i wasn't super into this mm. myself um what do you think Abir? uh for, how do you see it no like remember. me me like I, i'm gonna be honest and say that like i i didn't watch the whole thing for me oh, right. the the thing that really stood out to me was stray but we'll get to that um, right. so I'll, I'll let okay. you take the lead on this because I'm I'm terrible with uh, indie stuff. I, I'm 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 ashamed. <laughs> I shouldn't expose you there, um, but um, yeah, I I wasn't I don't know I wasn't super into it. I think partly because of um, the premise is like a I think if you look on the Steam page if you're listening, mm. it's you're a or like the main character is like a guitar prodigy and they're kind of trying to yeah a guitar prodigy trying to like find their you know their. Uh, <laughs> I just not sure what to say, how to say it. Like they're, I guess. On the groove. Yeah, whatever. Like they're trying to like <laughs> trying to fulfill their prodiginess, I suppose. I don't know, but mm. it's like a very like very trippy, colorful, vibrant adventure, wave going from left to right, <laughs> seemingly. Um, but it's like very kind of story heavy and very like stylistic and such. And it such. looks beautiful. Yeah, it looks like very a, nice. Yeah, it's got like a. It reminds me of like it's, uh. Like it's got like a Trine slash No Man's Sky kind of like neon aesthetic, mm. uh, which is re- really cool. <laughs> yeah, I think though, I think part of the reason I bounced off it, like story wise, but it's like I kind of get a sense it's like another game or another th- like media, like another story that's about like the yeah. personal journey of an early twenties white folk with privilege sort of thing. Like, it felt like <laughs> yeah. one of those again, where it's like, oh, I don't need this again. Oh, wow. Um, but it looks oh, wow. it, like look, look how like oh I I have the ability to imagine a better li- a, like an amazing life because my life itself is so like much better than what other people have. But yeah, I, yeah. it's a bit okay. Yeah, I, I get what you mean. <laughs> yeah, but I, like I don't know, maybe it's not really worth bringing it up. But like another reason yeah. was um, is like the trailer lists off a lot of Hollywood actors involved, which um, mm. I don't have access to the list right now. <laughs> but I was a little yeah, surprised. Uh, like Mark a- Strong, Lena Headey. Carl Weathers were some of the few. Right. Um, um, and I was yeah. a little disappointed because, like, it kind of opens up because the whole showcase like, is kind of, like, um, jumping between um, countries in the world to, like, where the studios mm. are based. And it starts yeah, off in yeah. Melbourne. And it's like, oh, cool. And then, it, like, and then it ends with all these, like, you know, non-Australian voices as part of this very <laughs> story-heavy thing. It's like, oh, that's disappointing. Oh, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. But we'll see how it is. I, I'm, I bet it'll surprise me, really. Um, yeah. So seconder is um, Neon White, um, a mm. single-player speed-running FPS where you sacrifice guns for parkour moves. Um, and there's a <laughs> dating sim in the background too. Um, of course. Of course there is. Yeah. Yeah, dating sims <laughs> are kind of the rage right now, aren't they? Yeah. But it's like guns are more like cards a little bit. Like if you watch the gameplay for it, um, yeah. that's kind of how I'm it watching a little looks. bit of it now. Um, mm. It's like so it's more about like playing cards for speed boosts. Like either using yep. cards while you have them for guns, playing them for speed. Um, that's kind of the gist of it, I think. Yeah. It's yeah, a so cool aesthetic as well. An- another like very kind of limited color palette, but just vibrant. Yeah, exactly. It's, like, it's very colorful and nice. And it's, yeah, mm. it's very, um, it's very striking. It's probably a better word for it. Yeah. So, yeah, it, l- it looks pretty good. I'll see how it is. Like his last game was Donut County, which is a very different game. So I don't That's know what crazy. to expect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but we'll see how that goes. Um, <laughs> next up is A Memoir Blue, which is a subdued interactive poem by developer Cloisters and set to release yeah. on pretty much everything. So iOS, Switch, PC, PlayStation systems, and Xbox, and I think Android, but I'm not 
quite sure of that actually and it's launching on game pass as well so mm. um yeah so you'll be able to play it if you want to um it looks like it kind of yeah. looks more like a cinematic platformer like limbo and those sorts of games and i think there's been a number of them yeah more of them lately is like in that sort of subgenre. and this one it, yeah. it looks pretty like ambitious style wise yeah. like kind of because it switches between seems to switch between like hand-drawn or um, similar mm. to hand-drawn style like animation yeah. visuals as you're kind of exploring these like kind of flashbacks and moments in time and it looks like it could be pretty impressive on um like a technical and art artistic level yeah well, the other thing i really liked about it was like kind of the like he talks about you know being a southeast asian like he's got like a very diverse team with people in india and in in, in america and stuff like it's so cool seeing that um kind of come to life now as well that's that's so cool sorry yeah i uh, just thought I'd no no <laughs> that's definitely worth bringing bad. up yeah um yeah it's nice to see like that was like something i really liked about the showcase in general because like it's yeah. like switching between countries and a lot of them are like canada and america but like it's yeah. kind of nice to put a focus on the you know diversity of mm. like you know the people making it and like where in the world because like you know like yeah. when i hear about australian games they always kind of stick in my mind i was like oh okay cool like that's being made by people in this country like that's worth you know <laughs> like remembering what? yeah um and like no you know no not necessarily like nationalist way and you know it's just like a yeah, basic it's just you like know, hey that's cool yeah like um yeah it'd be nice to see more of that sort of thing so um yeah i really liked how they founded their they kind mm. of um was it framed their showcase that way so um after that was a, a game called storyteller a new built puzzle game about building tragedies where you use a variety of characters, settings, and emotions to like sort of like jigsaw together your own like yeah tragic stories. Um, it looks like it kind yeah. of reminded me a lot of um, reminded me a lot of Pilgrims by um, mm. Amanita Design. Like it was a game from mm. last year from like yeah. it came out on um, on um, Apple Apple Arcade, Arcade Apple Arcade but, yeah, yeah, but it's on Steam as well and probably a few yeah. other platforms. I'm not sure. Uh, but it kind of reminded me of that where it's like you're kind of it's like you have a um, hand like a hand of cards with like in this case they're like story elements but they're more like and you play them to kind of build and change the story mm. in this case it's more of a jigsaw approach i saw i i thought at least um where you're kind of mixing yeah. matching pieces freely until you kind of um yeah it's how you end it's on good what that you it's have. got a cool like art style as well. Like it's effed up, <laughs> like like the premise of it. But you know what? I'm sure th- people would like that. <laughs> well, I like it. I'm sure there's a, there's a place for this. I'll, I'll, yeah, creating your own twisted stories. I'm sure there's an appeal there. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure if it's so twisted. I think it's got a very like literary bent. So I think it's like a lot of Shakespeare inspired, like of course you know, jigsaw of course. pieces. What even? Yeah. Oh. Um, That's true. Yeah, but um, yeah, we'll see how that goes. After that was a release date trailer for Solar Ash, the next game from the yeah. team behind Hyperlight Drifter, which continues to look stunning. Fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think there was any new content in the trailer. Like, I, I'm not, it was a short trailer. I think they've yeah. been mostly short so far. Um, Bulls. Um, but, it was, yeah, it was less about, you know, doing a deep dive into a game or anything like that or introducing it. It's more like, hey, here's another look at the game. We're fucking awesome. Here's a release date. Yeah, I think that's like I think 
Yeah, if there's anything that's come across with the like all these like smaller clips they've been showing, it's like mm. they're pretty confident with what they have in a way that they're not trying to like yeah. sell us too hard on it. It's like we know this looks good. We know our last game was good. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious to see how it turns out considering like Hyperlight Drifter was like a two D like Zelda like sort yes. of thing. Like I'm kind of it's such a different type of game. And, like it's yeah. fascinating to see that like this is the next yeah. one. Even though you kind this of like Yeah. Stylistically you can kind of see the similar similarities like very similar yeah. color palette and such but um yeah but it's kind of like a th- this is more like a 3d th- a third person action uh it's and it's got like kind of that jet set radio vibe like once you start skating around like the movement is like very like fluid and it, it'll be fun to see how that how it shapes up in final form yeah so like um yeah so also a bit like shadow of the colossus if you haven't seen mm. it either like it's kind of i think that's the general gist of it it's like you're roller yeah, skating monsters. and it's you're doing Shadow of the Colossus style, like po- boss takedowns. But I'm not, <laughs> yeah. I think it's more of a platformer. But yeah, anyway. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> um, after that was Skin Deep, the next game by Brandon Chung's Blender Games. Mm-hmm. An immersive first-person shooter where you play an insurance commando taking down. Yeah, I cracked up when I said <laughs> insurance commando. What? <laughs> yeah, like when I read that, I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Blender Games, insurance like commando. they've been making... Um, their last game was Quadrilateral Cowboy. Yeah. Yep. Um, and um, beloved game. <laughs> yeah, and they made like he's been in like he's been making games for a while, um, mainly smaller yeah. ones, and I think he's been scaling yeah. up for with the last game and this one. Um, I think this one because uh, I remember when this was announced. I think it was announced more of a um, as a more um, Splinter Cell like but first person because I think one of the first clips he showed of it was like jumping up a corridor and like splitting your legs and then being able to like swing around (laughs) it's um it was it's it seems very silly and this trailer sells it pretty well (laughs) I don't yeah like like I think blender games like they tend not to announce release dates for a long time I remember that being the case with quadrilateral uh, quadrilateral cowboy Cowboy. yep that hacking that programming game thing <laughs> yeah yeah i was so excited for that i still haven't got around to it partly because the hacking stuff kind of scared me off a little bit but i yeah. still need to try, at least try it <laughs> um can i take this next one yeah <laughs> please <laughs> please <laughs> so uh the other game uh the next game that really stood out was stray uh which is from uh, blue 12 uh studios it's the game that everyone remembers from last year where it's like oh hey it's that game where you play as a cat and you're jumping around in this neon city so yeah so stray uh showed off a little bit more um gameplay the game looks much like a bit more like refined uh, i'd say i'd put it uh and that's uh it's good to see um and uh unfortunately though the game has been pushed back to next year um but uh it is coming to more platforms so you've got pc playstation 4 and ps5 at this stage not sure if it'll come to xbox maybe later on but I'm I'm really excited to play that and you know I think it's one of those games that you could probably have like a non-gamer kind of watch and probably enjoy it with you because it's not too it doesn't seem like it has it's not too mechanics heavy it's not too over the top or like it's it'd probably be easier to follow than you'd expect so I'm excited to see that one mm. oh also did I mention the release date for Solar Ash I don't think I did <laughs> oh sorry no yeah okay that's uh, coming out for PS4 PS5 PC on Epic Store on October 26, just to Sweet. get it out not of the too way. Far away. And Stray is coming out next year, or is set to Sweet. at least. 
Yeah. And the last announcement of the showcase was um, Outer Wilds first and only expansion, um, Echoes mm-hmm. of the Eye. Um, slated for September 28. It's got a very cryptic reveal trailer. And they also announced the Switch port of the original game is coming coming later this year as well. I was... Because they, like, this kind of leaked a little while ago and they sort of, like, semi-confirmed it on the Twitter page. Because um, I yeah. think it was data mined through something or other. I think it was, like, oh, through Steam. Something like that. Yeah. So someone... Yeah, like, people figured it out. It's like... And then people were like... It's still kind of remarkable it's happening. Because have you played it, Abir? No, not yet. Oh, okay. I always got that confused with Outer Worlds. Yeah, but that I know sense. this one, like, people really like this. Yeah, it's really incredible. Like, it's definitely, like, it's... Um, yeah, because I like because I wrote this little bit of the digest, <laughs> and I wrote yeah. it as game of the generation contender, and it, <laughs> it like it really is like it's yeah. like it's such a it's like as a the reason the DLC it's a is shocking game. yeah like the re, like it's not just that though it's like it's it's very like um, the original game is like it's part of the reason it's so impressive is because it's like it's like this really perfectly put piece together like um, you know kind of like. Um, pocket watch or something like all these like separate okay. cogs and gears like operating like sort of perfectly within one another like both mechanically yeah. and story-wise like the way wow. it leads everything in, in between like so it's like this big cosmic level puzzle game where you're flying around mm. um during a time loop to kind of get further and further towards solving the time loop mm. Anyway, part of the reason that, and like the DLC is so confusing because it's like, how do you make something that slots into something that's kind of perfectly made? Um, yeah. Because there is kind of like a side mission, side quest sort of thing in the game that you don't have to do. Um, so, okay. in, that, in that sense, like, I guess the DLC makes sense. But um, it's still kind of surprising they could like make a full chunk of story and new mechanics and stuff to okay. just like attach to it or after it i'm not sure they haven't ex- explained much <laughs> it'll just be more uh, yeah it, it's uh, i don't enough. know i'm very wow. very very excited for this one it's coming out so soon yeah. too not very far away yeah i know you know what that's the thing like uh like it, it's great to see that like people don't blink and like people don't dismiss indie games or smaller scale games anymore like they, those games can really capture a large audience and win and actually you know, win game of the year lists and things like that. It's 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 so cool to see that, and I'm hoping that with like tying it back to you know the Aussie government's like push to attract that talent, that sorry to attract foreign game like investment here in Australia. Like like we've we've definitely got the talent here, and you could see something like an EA publisher game from a smaller studio in 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 Australia, like it's done with you know Hazelight and games before that like you know i would definitely love to see more money being put into these studios here locally whether it's from the government or from like you know publishers from overseas so that's yeah bring it on so those were the news stories for this past week a lot happened and you'll be you'll be guaranteed to know that i'm sure a lot more is going to happen this coming week so uh, if you guys want to you know, send in your thoughts or your responses to what we've discussed this week, or if you have any questions that you'd like to ask John and myself, you can send in your uh, feedback and questions to podcast at doublejump.co. We would love to hear from you and read out 
your questions and feedback or even your thoughts uh, in future episodes. John, I think this has been a, a, a longer episode than we intended. There's a lot to go through, so we'll leave the audience to make up their minds about what's been said and let us know. Uh, but yeah, John, thank you so much for joining me again. Always a pleasure to have you. Thanks for having me. And until next time, everyone, look out for one another. See ya. Bye.